Hello, everybody. This is Bill Harper back with you on Wave 94 FM. We have a very special time with my group of men. And we have been talking about the two podcasts uh, over and over. We're, we're transmitting reference John Eldridge and RansomedHeart.com, the April 20th podcast entitled Don't Miss the Moment, and then the April 27th podcast entitled A, Need- A Needed Shaking. And I'm in my basement with my group of men. I'm Bill Harper. We've got Anthony and Tom and Frank and George. And we're going to talk about these things right now. When we discussed the podcast of April 20th entitled Don't Miss the Moment, the point of that was on D-Day, we know that the paratroopers who went in on the French lines early that morning got deployed in a very disorganized manner because the uh, rudimentary navigation systems didn't work, the C-47s are flying in the dark and no lights and clouds, and then as soon as the air-to-air artillery went at them, they got scattered. And they dropped their paratroopers, not in the intended places, but scattered throughout the French countryside. Here are these warriors ready to get up and do battle and join forces with their other brothers, but they don't know where they are and what they're doing. And the story might have looked like this. A group of paratroopers that came down in a field are trying to figure out who, what, where, and when, and where do we go to battle, and they noticed a nearby French farmhouse, and they got in it to take refuge. Where do we go, and what do we do? And in the basement, they discovered a nice stash of apple brandy, and they proceeded to get drunk in the midst of the warfare when they were needed. It might have happened like this. I can't really verify that, but what if it did? That podcast was entitled, Don't Miss the Moment. And we're here discussing whether the church in the world, or especially the church in the United States, is missing its moment. I personally, here at this comfortable place, have felt, what can I do? How can I be your voice? Well, one thing is we're getting on the radio, at least telling it there. So I'm Bill Harper, and I'm sitting here with my brothers, and we're talking about the church in the United States that might have gotten very lazy in its French farmhouse with its wonderful worship and lattes. Well, if you look at Scripture, in particular the second chapter of the prophet Haggai, which is basically uh, restated in Hebrews chapter 12, the Lord says, once more, I will shake. And I think one of the questions that I've been having is, God, what are you up to with this shaking? It's obvious that COVID-19 did not sneak up and surprise you. It's obvious that there is a divine agenda here that we may or may not be able to see. And the best I can tell is that from Scripture, God always shakes the church first because the church is His witness and his divine vehicle to proclaim the gospel in the earth. Right. His invention. Right. God, what are you after in your church is a question I've been asking. Are you happy with how we conduct the business of church? Are the things that we're building and the endeavors that we're involved with, are they pleasing to you? And these are questions, they're rhetorical questions, which my prayer has been is that leaders in the church pastors, your government, even church members would get an idea as to what is God after, what is he pleased with, and what he's not. My own personal opinion is 
when we reconvene after being in quarantine, I don't think church is going to be the same. It's going to be different. Right. To that point of Hebrews 12 that says, The world will be shaken, so that which is unshakable will remain. It's interesting how the American church, like I said, might be holed up in the French farmhouse. But what about the church in China? What about those believers over there who are being tested in the crucible of affliction? And what does the purity of their faith look like? That's a very interesting topic. Frank, did you have something to that? There are Christians in China who've been called to the seminary of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit directs when they meet, when they are to do uh, various things, how they're supposed to share their food, how now, because the government is keeping track of them uh, with computers and, and analyzing every bit of their life and finding out how loyal they are to the Communist Party. The Communist Party is not greater than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a plan Amen. for that. And so these individuals in China are going through a different kind of shaking than we've been through, although they obviously they also had to deal with the virus. But the Lord first calls us to himself. And so it is in finding that relationship with him, then we can proceed and more accurately do the will of the Lord when we've met him first. Because then what we share with our community of believers right. is that experience with him that we find all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Jesus. Yeah. And sometimes I forget that. But if you read Colossians, you read some of the other books of the New Testament, they speak of this relationship that is so rich, that is so profound, that's greater than anything we see. We get hung up with our church building or the way we do things, but the one who created the seen and the unseen is in charge of it all. And when we tune into him, when we plug into him, before we plug into this world, and, right. and it's things in this trap, or, or excuse me, the brandy. All of us experience different kinds of brandy. Exactly. And, and these things look glittery and good and so on and so forth, when actually it's a way of death often and not a way of life. So how important it is that we purpose to engage him first and then others around us. Frank, isn't it so true that in times of comfort and opulence that the church has always, historically, the history of the nation of Israel, we turn to our comforters and get too comfortable because we don't need God in this day and age compared to, say, the churches in China who need him desperately mm -hmm. to survive. Amen. A needed shaking, the, the world will be shaken so that which is unshakable will remain. For me, it seems like one of those triumphal entry Sundays, that uh, procession of Jesus into the capital, offering himself as the heir to the throne. The people throw their cloaks and the palm branches and praise him and call for his salvation. They see him as a savior. They see him as a new and healthy wind in the political system. He doesn't come with an army. He comes with a palm branch of peace. Yes. And he offers a peaceful transition to the nation of Israel to place him on the throne. And the people who are in charge of the church and the people who are in, in charge of the synagogue and the people who are in charge of the government are terrified. Yes. Because they don't know how to deal with that. They know how to deal with revolution. 
They know how to <laughs> subjugate people, but they don't know how to deal with this man who's capable of producing miracles coming humbly riding on a, you know, not on a war horse, not with a war chariot, not with armor, not with weapons, but with heart. Right. Is Jesus trying to get our attention that he's here and asking us if we're going to put him on the throne or if we're going to worship our buildings and worship our traditions? You know, instead of opening our doors to him, we seem to be closing the doors and circling the wagons and being afraid that we're going to lose what we have. Fear. Fear in this time of the virus. Thank you, George. And you mentioned earlier how... You know, the triumphal entry happened a week before Good Friday and the crucifixion, and perhaps go back a couple hundred years to this country, the triumphal entry of Jesus and how we solidified as a nation and laid down the palm branches. And then within a week, the citizens of Jerusalem said, crucify him. Are we now in that place where Jesus is being crucified because we put him aside? You know, we don't want that in our society and we're feeding ourselves on the, on the fear and the government and the look to them. I don't know, George. When churches are faced with opening up the doors to the hungry and the poor and the mentally ill and the homeless and the dirty and mm. the oppressed, wow. they're scared. Yeah, they're afraid that they will lose what they have. And yet it's when they lock their doors and hide from that, um, see those people as they're not our people. Right. That they seem to, in fact, lose what they have because a lot of our churches are aging out. Right. They're not willing to open the doors to the demographics of the new neighborhood. They were a neighborhood church 40 years ago. Those people are still left there, but they haven't welcomed the changes in the community. Wow. And so the church hasn't changed. Wow. It's gotten older, but it hasn't gotten better. It hasn't gotten more inclusive. It hasn't gotten more Christ-like. It's gotten more Pharisee-like. Yes, it has in the religious spirit. And interestingly as well that we had already started to become very inbred as a church and enjoying the mystical worship and the double lattes and everything that's very comfortable. Remember, we're in a French farmhouse drinking apple brandy. And now with this COVID and the spirit of fear has driven us all inside. I believe this fear is way more magnified than it should be for this advanced stages of the flu. And now we're even driven further in when exactly what we need to do is have more faith and less fear and go outward. And so what do we do about that besides get on the radio with my gang? Where do we go with this? If you want to control people, you scare them and then you offer them a solution of salvation. Exactly. But I'm afraid the solution and salvation that we're being offered is a false one. Yes. And it's not based on Christ. A worldly understanding and a worldly solution to a spiritual problem. Yeah. How's that working for us? How's that working for us? It's nothing new under the sun. At least that's what Solomon tells us. And I think if you were to go back in time, the war was between is Jesus Lord or is Caesar Lord? And in our own present state, I think Caesar represents civil government. Is civil government have the answers to this COVID virus and to fear? Or does Jesus have the answer to 
to this COVID virus or fear? My money's on Jesus. Yeah. Because I think, I think those of us in this room here have lived long enough to realize that them that are in charge, more often than not, don't have any idea of how to solve a problem, let alone a spiritual problem. Right. I think that God is shaking, this is my opinion, may not be shared by everyone in this room, but God is shaking the church leaders because He's not particularly happy with how the church has been addressing social and political issues. Right. It's easier to take the path of political correctness in order to avoid conflict. It's easier to hide out in our buildings. Yes. And to basically change the Great Commission from go make disciples of all nations to come to our meeting. Wow. Come inside to our meeting where it's safe and comfortable. I think God has a divine way of shaking things up so that we have no alternative but to go because that which we've been hiding out in is no longer comfortable. Exactly. And I am guilty of being a creature of comfort. Exactly. As you and everybody else in the church. Once again, people, this is Bill Harper with my group of men coming to you from Wave 94. We're discussing the two podcasts from Ransomed Heart, April 20th, Don't Miss the Moment, and April 27th, A Needed Shaking. Remember, A Needed Shaking comes from the verses in Hebrews 12, how that God will shake the world so that which is unshakable will remain. And we're talking about the shaking that we see right now and how we're being and called out to this. Something is going to change. People prophesying that there was going to be a shakeup, that there was going to be a change, that there was going to be a, a disaster, that there was going to be a... Some people have called it a war. I've some heard people, it a quickening is coming. A quickening. Some people have said this is the Third World War, but it's so asymmetrical we don't even recognize it. It's not a war of one country with another, or even one group of countries with another, but it's a war of uh, religions, it's a war of spirituality, it's a war of media countries, it's a war within the media, it's a war of computer viruses, and now it's a war of biological viruses. What's next? That's profound. You said it's coming at us in a way we'd never understand it and never see it. Go on with that. The same community that began to warn of a shakeup, began to warn of a change, began to warn of a disaster a year or two ago, is now asking a much more profound question. The world is changing. What do we want it to change into? Right. What do we want our new normal to look like? Where do we want to be when this shakes out? When this Where does the church out. want to be when this shakes out? How do we change our perspective and become more Christ-like and less like the Pharisees who were impressive in their adornment and in their public prayer, but perhaps not so impressive in their private service. Wow. How do we become more like the, the itinerant preacher, miracle worker that Jesus was and less like New Testament synagogue leaders who gave in to the Roman authorities and collaborated with them. And judged everyone as whether they were worthy to enter their club. I hear that. 
what is this is this new normal going to look like? I can tell you this. As soon as I'm allowed to go out and hug people, I'm going to give them big wet kisses. I'm going to look them in the eye and say, how are you? How has it been? My prophet, John Eldridge, has said so many things. John and Stacy were praying about the phase of the world, and they perceived that a hatred is being released. Um, the other night I was at, listening to these podcasts, and my heart went off. Uh, I had AFib surgery years ago, and my heart weight went off to 140 beats a minute. It was irregular. I put on my blood pressure cuff to tell me it was irregular, but I didn't need it. And that rattled me that night. He got my attention by shaking my heart. Remember, you guys have heard, I'm a man in search of my heart. Well, if God's shaking the church and he wants to shake me as part of that, why wouldn't he get to my ticker physically and send me into an arrhythmic heartbeat? That sure sounds like the way he'd work. Why? To get my attention. Why? Because I'm missing the moment. It all makes sense. And now we're sitting here talking about how the world is being shaken. For me, I am not going to take personal contact for granted. For me, perhaps uh, the person that was distant and whatever, and I didn't have time to get my hands dirty and covetous of my time is what I am. I'm going to spend that time and sit with them and say, how has this been for you? There's a huge hatred being released. There's a huge amount of pain. What shook my heart that night is I got a window pulled back from my comfortable little French farmhouse sitting with my apple brandy. I pulled back the curtain and I saw an immense amount of pain and suffering with the little children cooped up in the boxes with the angry father and the distant mother who are scared to death of what's happening and they're sitting in boxes, caged boxes in the cities and I thought, oh my gosh, the agreements, the hatred, the turning from the faith, the pain and suffering. I saw that and it broke my heart. The uh, things that have been happening in the church that are very positive seem not to be happening in the Western Church, but in the Eastern Church. After the fall of Soviet communism, the church in Russia and the other Soviet countries blossomed. Flourished. Flourished. Expanded. Yes. yes. Um, Why? The church in China right. is being oppressed, apparently, by the communist and the Chinese government, but that church is flourishing and expanding and being nurtured, challenged, uh, strengthened by the very conflict that it faces with the worldly authorities. Exactly. We say we are free to worship as we choose, and yet we're very committed to the idea that in order to worship, we have to have a box. We Uh, have to have a building. We have to have an ordained person by this denomination or that, whatever you choose. But there's this structure that we expect. Hmm. When somebody's preaching on the sidewalk, we look at them like they're crazy. Hmm. When somebody starts a, a whole different idea of what worship is, we look at them like they're violating some unwritten rule of, well, that's not how you're supposed to do it. Because this is the way we do church. Right. Why wouldn't God want to shake that up? And the church in China, I can only imagine. Once again, you know, in the Chinese language, they have characters instead of words. And the character for crisis is actually a combination of the character for danger and the character for opportunity. 
Put that template on what's happening to the needed shaking. Put that template on don't miss the moment for the church. And what is it going to look like after this? That's a really good question. And I hope it can begin with me. So as we reset, do we look at people differently? Do we look at opportunities of engaging other groups and people in a different way? The pain in their heart, maybe? Look into their eyes and ask them the question and then linger and really intentionally ask the question. And are people more important than the brandy? Are they more important than the farmhouse? Are they more important than our favorite thing to do? Of course they are. And my guilt is centered on it doesn't look that way in my life. It doesn't look the way in the life of my church. And even in the life of us believers who would like to say that we're following Christ, but we're just too comfortable. Isn't that what we're talking about? So we can find joy in communing with our Lord and communing with his people and looking at them through his eyes, not our own eyes. So perhaps the reset is a different perspective. Perhaps the reset is saying, Lord, what does this person need? How would you have me interact with them? How would you have me pray for them? Wow. You know, this is Bill Harper again on Wave 94. We're having a conversation with my brothers in the basement of... Are we in a French farmhouse, guys? <laughs> um, I've spoken a lot of the larger story. And in the larger story, we are in phase three or act three, which is called the battle for the heart. And it started in darkness with Genesis. God created the world. And very soon thereafter, we took a fall in the garden. And Jesus came and freed us all. He won the war. But remember, we're still in the battle until he returns. It's a battle for the heart. John Eldridge said, and this is so profound, the world has always been at war and the prize has always been the human heart, now more than ever. My prayer, my awakening for myself is that I will be shaken enough to get out of my comfort level and go share the gospel for the human heart. When we talk about the shaking in the world, this is the human condition that we naturally, the history of the nation of Israel is exactly the history of the human race and looks like the history of the church in the United States, that we migrate to idols of comfort when life gets easy. Imagine 200 years ago, uh, even as recently as 100 years ago, you had to wait on the Lord to provide the rain for the crops. You had to trust in God that this child is going to be born and mother and baby will be healthy. We had to trust in God for so many things we didn't have control of. Here we are 200 years later. Man, we got control of everything, don't we? And so we don't really need to trust God to provide the rain, to hold back the storms, to give us the children safely. We're still not in control of this virus, are we? Great question, Frank. We're not in control of it. It's so much fear. We need to remember, as the ancients, as the people in our country many years ago, that God's in charge. They, they didn't have much trouble. Many of them did not have much trouble with that. So it was easier for them to go to prayer. It was easier for them to call a group together and raise a barn or call a group together and bring in a crop. Mm. We, we need each other. We need the Lord's perspective to give us faith for tomorrow, to be able to love our brothers and sisters just like they are. 
it strikes me how easily we rattle off the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Uh-huh. And I don't know that most of us ever consider what that really means. Our daily bread, what do I need for today? We're really good at providing for ourselves. We've got enough to supply bread to ourselves for the most part. For weeks, months, years, how long would it take before we go hungry if somebody cut us off right this minute? I don't think we have the first concept what our daily bread, what the weight of that is. And the faith that that would require. Mm -hmm. Right. If I didn't know where my next meal was coming from or where tomorrow's food was coming from. Right. And the anarchy and violence that might result from that. Yeah. What would I do if I didn't have food for tomorrow figured out? If I had to wait for that. You mean if you have to put a seed in the ground and water it? And pray over it and wait and wait and wait. And trust in the rain if you don't have irrigation. Right. Or trust that there's electricity so you can run your irrigation. Trust that we'll be healed somehow if we don't have hospitals and medicine. Or that God will provide in a way that we don't understand and can't predict. Amen. You know, as I've been washing my hand for 30 seconds lately, they say that if you say in the Lord's Prayer nice and easy, it'll last about 30 seconds. So that's what I've been doing. And I have focused on the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I have focused on that more, I think, than in my entire life. And I finally heard... What can we do? We can pray. We can pray for the world. We can pick three people, as John suggested, and pray for them. And pray that his kingdom will come. Pray that Jesus will come back soon. That I can do. Honestly, I wonder if I want him to come back soon, because that's going to give me the best French farmhouse of ever, which is heaven. <laughs> do I want to be in this tumultuous and this painful and this crisis? Do I want? That's what I'm afraid of, is the crisis that's about to come and the resulting comfort level that goes down. No brandy, just wine. <laughs> <laughs> New wine. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That gives me pause. Your kingdom come, Jesus. Let it start here. He doesn't say anything about being comfortable. He does talk about giving us our daily bread. Wow. That doesn't sound very comfortable. Just bread is not very appealing, is it? Well, just my daily bread. Yes. Just enough for today. That doesn't sound very comfortable. Wow. Have we missed that the Holy Spirit brings us comfort in the midst of all trials? Yes, we have. Have we missed that? That that is His nature, is to hold us close when we can't hold ourselves, when we can't hold anything around us? Have we denied the Holy Spirit His function, His purpose in this world is to comfort us? Yes. But that, that comfort only can happen if we have faith that he can and will provide. Yes, but we also need the crisis to quicken that. Do we really need the comfort of the Holy Spirit when we got our fridge farmhouse, our comforts, our cell phones, our refrigerators and everything like that? We don't. Mm -mm. And that's why we're being shaken up so that we will be more like the church in China. 
Can we imagine what it looks like in China right now? Some of you have some information about the church over there that's being persecuted, that's being really tested far and above and beyond. Like you said, after the the wall fell and Russia opened up, the church flourished because they had been in a state of persecution. Same thing with China. Well, maybe it's time for us to get our share of persecution. Who knows what's happening? Once again, folks, this is Bill Harper on Wave 94. I'm sitting with my team of guys on a just a pop-up recording. I'm with uh, Anthony, Tom, Frank, and George, and we're talking about Don't Miss the Moment and a Needed Shaking that's happening in the world today.